Section 7 of The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Bass. The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life by Homer Eon Flint. Part 2 The Story. Chapter 2 the vision. Twas a fortnight later, more or less, when next I saw Maka. I was lumbering along in my chariot, feeling most uncomfortable under the eyes of my friends, for one foot of my machine had a loose link, and twas flapping absurdly, and I liked it none too well when Maka stopped his own rattle-trap in front of mine and came running to my window. Next moment I forgot his impertinence. Strokar, he whispered, his face alive with excitement. Thou art a brave man, and didst save my life. Now know you that a party of the men of Klau have secreted themselves under the stairway behind the Emperor's throne. They have killed the guards and will of a certainty kill the Emperor too. Twould serve the dolt right, I replied for I really cared but little. But why have ye come to me, old man? I am but a lieutenant in the armory. I am not the captain of the palace guard. Because, he answered, gazing at me pleasingly, thou couldst dispose of the whole party single-handed. There are but four, and gain much glory for thyself. By John, I swore, vastly delighted and without stopping to ask Maka whence he had got his knowledge, I went at once to the spot. However, when I got back I sought the stargazer. I ought to mention that I had no trouble with the louts, and that the emperor himself saw me finishing off the last of them. I sought the stargazer, and demanded how he had known. Hast ever heard of Edam? he inquired in return. Edom? I had not. The name was strange to me. Who is he? A man as young as thyself, but a mere stripling, quoth Maka. He was a pupil of mine when I taught in the house of learning. Of late he has turned to prophecy, and it is fair remarkable how well the lad doth guess. At all events, twas he, Strokor, who told me of the plot. He saw it in a dream. Then Ida must yet be in Vlama, said I, if he were able to tell ye. Canst bring him to me? I would know him. And so it came about that on the eve of that same day Maka brought Edam to my house. I remember it well, for it was the same day that the Emperor, in gratitude of my little service in the anteroom, had relieved me from my post in the armory and made me captain of the palace guard. I was thus become the youngest captain, also the biggest and strongest, and as will soon appear, by far the longest-headed. I was in high good humor, and had decided to celebrate with a feast. So when my two callers arrived, I sat them down before a meal such as cost a tenth. Footnote since mercury had no moon its people never coined a word to correspond with our month 
and for the same reason they never had a week. Their time was reckoned only in days, years, and fractions of the two. End footnote. Of my year's salary. I served not only the usual products of the field, variously prepared, but as a special gift from the emperor's own stock, a piece of mulika meat, frozen, which had been found in the Northland by some geologists a few years back. It had been kept in the palace icing room all this time, and was in prime condition. Maka and I enjoyed it overmuch, but Edam would touch it not. He was a slightly built lad, not at all the sturdy man that I am, but of less than half the weight. His head too was unlike mine. His forehead was wide as well as tall, and his eyes were mild as a slave's. Ye are very young to be a prophet, I said to him after we were filled, and the slaves had cleared away our litter. Tell me, hast foretold anything else that has come to pass? Aye, he replied, not at all boldly, but what some called modestly. I prophesied the armistice that now stands between our empire and Klaus. Is this true? I demanded of Maka. The old man bowed his head gravely, and looked upon the young man with far more respect than I felt. He added, Tell Strokor the dream thou hadst two nights ago, Edam. It were a right strange thing, whether true or no. The stripling shifted his weight on his stool, and moved the bowl closer. Then he thrust his pipe deep into it, and let the liquid flow slowly out his nostrils. Footnote. A curious custom among the Mercurians, who had no tobacco. There is no other way to explain some of the carvings. Doubtless the liquid was sweet-smelling, and perhaps slightly narcotic. End footnote. I saw this, he began, immediately before rising, and after a very light supper, so I know that it was a vision from John, and not of my own making. I was standing upon the summit of a mountain, and gazing down upon a very large fertile valley. It was heavily wooded, dark green and inviting. But what first drew my attention was a great number of animals moving about in the air. They were passing strange affairs, some large, some small, variously colored, and all covered with the same sort of fur, quite unlike any hair I have ever seen. In the air? I echoed, recovering from my astonishment. Then I laughed mightily. Man, you must be crazy. There is no animal can live in the air. Ye must mean in the water or on land. Nay, interposed the stargazer. Thou hast never studied the stars, Strakar, or thou wouldst know that there be a number of them which, through the enlarging tube, show themselves to be round worlds like unto our own and it doth further appear that these other worlds also have air like this we breathe, and that some have less, while others have even more. From what Edom has told me, finished the old man, I judge that this vision took place on Geos. 
Footnote. The Mercurian word for Earth. End footnote. A world much larger than ours, according to my calculations, and doubtless having enough air to permit very light creatures to move about in it. Go on, said I to Edam, good-humouredly. I be ever willing to believe anything strange when my stomach is full. The dreamer had taken no offence. Then I bent my gaze closer, as I am always able in visions, and I saw that the greenery was most remarkably dense, tangled and luxurious to a degree not ever seen here, and moving about in it was the most extraordinary collection of beings that I have ever laid these eyes upon. There were some huge creatures, quite as tall as thy house, Strokar, with legs as big around as that huge chest of thine. They had tails as had our ancient Mulika, save that these were terrific things, as long and as big as the trunk of large tree. I know not their names. Footnote. Probably the dinosaur. End footnote. And then at the other extreme was a tiny creature of the air, which moved with a musical hum. It could have hid under thy fingernail, Strokar. Yet it had a tiny sharp-pointed bill, with which it stung most aggravatingly. And between these two there were any number of creatures of varying size and shape but nowhere was there a sign of a man. True, there was one hairy, grotesque creature which hung by its hands and feet from the treetops, very like thee in some way, Strokar, but its face and head were those of a brainless beast, not of a man. Nowhere was a creature like me or thee. And the most curious thing was this. Although there were ten times as many of these creatures, big and little, to the same space as in our world, yet there was no great amount of strife. In truth, there is far more combat and destruction among we men than among the beasts. And, he spoke most earnestly, as though he would not care to be disbelieved, I saw fathers fight to protect their young. I near fell from my stool in my amaze. Never in all my life had I heard a thing so far from the fact. What? I shouted. Ye sit there like a sane man, and tell me ye saw fathers fight for their young? He nodded his head, still very gravely. I fell silent for want of words, but Maka put in a thought. It would appear, Strokar, that it be not so much of an effort for beings to live there on Geos as here. Perchance tis the greater amount of vegetation. At all accounts, the animals need not prey upon one another so generally, and that then would explain why some have energy enough to waste in the care of their young. I can understand, I said very slowly. I can understand why a mother will fight for her babes. Tis reasonable enough, no doubt. But as for fathers doing the same? Edam, doth mean to say that all creatures on Geos do this? Nay, only some. It may be that fewer than half of the varieties have the custom. 
Howbeit, tis a beautiful one. When the vision ended, I was right loath to go. Far, I spat upon the ground. Such softness makes me ill. I be glad I were born in a man's world, where I can take a man's chances. I want no favoring. If I am strong enough to live, I live. If not, I die. What more can I ask? Ay, my lad, said Maka approvingly. This be a world for the strong. There is no room here for others. There is scarce enough food for those who, thanks to their own strength, do survive. He slipped the gold band from off his wrist and held it up for John to see. Here, Strokar, a pledge, a pledge to the survival of the fittest. A neat, neat wording, I roared, as I took the pledge with him. Then we both stopped short. Edom had not joined us. Edom, my lad, spake the old man. Ye will take the pledge with us? The stripling's eyes were troubled. Well he knew that, once he refused such an act, he were no longer welcome in my house, nor in Maka's. But when he looked around, it were bravely enough. Men, I have neither the strength of the one, nor the brains of the other of thee. I am but a watchmaker. I live because of my skill with the little wheels. I have no quarrel with either of ye. He got to his feet and started to the door. But I cannot take the pledge with ye. I have seen a wondrous thing, and I love it. And though I know not why, I feel that John has willed it for Geos to see a new race of men, a race even better than ours. I leapt to my feet. Better than ours? Mean ye to say, Stripling, that there can be a better man than Strokar? I fully expected him to shrink from me in fear. I was able to crush him with one blow. But he stood his ground. Nay, stepped forward and laid a hand easily upon my shoulder. Strokor, ye are more than a man. Ye are two men in one. There is no finer, I say it fair. And yet, I doubt not that there can be, and will be a better. And with that, such a curious expression came into his face, such a glow of some strange land of warmth, that I let my hand drop and suffered him to depart in peace. Such was my wonder. Besides, any miserable lout could have destroyed the lad. Maka sat deep in thought for a time, and when he did speak he made no mention of the lad who had just quit us. Instead he looked me over long and earnestly, and at the end he shook his head sorrowfully and sighed. Thou art the sort of son I would have had, Strokar given the wits of thy father to hold a woman like thy mother, and thou didst save my life. He mused a little longer, then roused himself and spake sharply. 
Thou art a vain man, Strakar. Aye, I agreed willingly enough. And none has better cause than I. He would not acknowledge the quip. Thou hast everything needful to tickle thy vanity. Thou hast the envy of those who note thy strength, the praise of them who love thy courage, and the respect of they who value thy brains. All these thou hast, and yet ye have not that which is best. I thought swiftly, and turned on him with a frown. Mean ye that I am not handsome enough? Nay, Strokar, quoth the stargazer. There be none handsomer in this world, no matter what the standard of any other, such as Edam's Gios. It is not that. It is that thou hast no ambition. I considered this deeply. At first thought it was not true. Had I not always made it a point to best my opponent? From my youth it had been ever my custom to succeed where bigger bodies and older minds had failed. Was not this ambition? But before I disputed the point with Maka, I saw what he meant. I had no final ambition, no ultimate goal for which to strive. I had been content from year to year to outdo each rival as he came before me, and now with mind and body alike in the pink of condition, I was come to the place where none durst stand before me. Ye are right, Maka, I admitted, not because I care to gratify his conceit, but because it were always for my own good to own up when wrong, that I might learn the better. Ye are right. I need to decide upon a life purpose. What have ye thought? The old man was greatly pleased. Our talk with Edam brought it all before me. Know you, Strokor, that the survival of the fittest is a rule which governs man as well as men? It applies to the entire population, Strokor, just as truly as to me or thee. In fine, we men who are now the sole inhabitants of this world are descended from a race of people who survived solely because they were fitter than the Molika, fitter than the reptiles, the fittest by far of all the creatures. That being the case, it is plain that in time either our empire or that of Klaus must triumph over the other and that which remains shall be the fittest. Hold, I cried. Why cannot matters remain just as they are now, and forever? That, he said rapidly, is because thou knowest so little about the future of this world. But I am famed as a student of the heavens, and I tell thee it is possible by means of certain delicate measuring instruments together with the highest mathematics, to keep a very close watch upon the course of our world, and we now know that our year is much shorter than it was in the days of the Molika. I nodded my head. Rightly enough, since our days are become steadily longer for some mysterious reason. 
a reason no longer a mystery, quoth Marka. It is now known that the sun is a very powerful magnet, and that it is constantly pulling upon our world and bringing it nearer and nearer to himself. That is why it hath become slightly warmer during the past hundred years. The records show it plain, and the same influence has caused the lengthening of our day. He stopped and let me think. Soon I saw it clearly enough. A time must come when the increasing warmth of the sun would stifle all forms of vegetable life, and that would mean the choking of mankind. It might take untold centuries. Yet, plainly enough, the world must some day become too small for even those who now remained upon it. Suddenly I leapt to my feet and strode the room in my excitement. Ye are right, Maka, I shouted, thoroughly aroused. There cannot always be the two empires. In time one or the other must prevail. John has willed it. And I stopped short and stared at him. I need not tell ye which it shall be. I knew thou would see the light, Strocker. Thou hast thy father's brains. I sat me down, but instantly leapt up again. Such was my enthusiasm. Maka, I cried, our emperor is not the man for the place. It is true that he were a brave warrior in his youth. He won the throne fairly, and we have suffered him to keep it because he is a wise man, and because we have had little trouble with the men of Klau since their defeat two generations agone. But he today is content to sit at his ease and quote platitudes about live and let live. Far, I am ashamed that I should ever have given ear to him. I stopped short and glared at the old man. Maka, hark ye well. If it be the will of John to decide between the men of Klau and the men of Lamaland, then it is my intent to take a hand in this decision. Aye, my lad, he said tranquilly, and then added, quite as though he knew what my answer must be, How do ye intend to go about it? Like a man, I, Strokor, shall become the emperor. End of section 7 Recording by Steve Bose Website www.stevebase.net Bose is spelt B-U-Y-S